Hello and welcome to the Euactive Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Natasha Foote. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractive's Agri-Food News team. So this week there was the unveiling of the, what was it, Fit for, Fit for 50, Fit for 55, what is it <laughs> this week? Everyone's talking about it. Awful name for a gigantic uh, piece of legislation fit for 55 i mean yeah it doesn't totally tell you what it is i would say at a glance it's, it's, it's it, not farm to fork is it it's well, there's no, lots, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. lots of f's going on i do enjoy the alliteration fit for 55 farm to fork anything else you can think yeah, of that's, that's a, an original uh, interpretation of the it's quite poetic i like it how how commission uh rebranded it <laughs> but no yeah basically this fit for 55 is uh, it's not a farm to fork because again uh, mm. fork is a political vision uh, it's part of the green deal the green deal is another political vision one could, can say that the fit for 55 is um how the commission tried to implement like in practice the climate ambition and the goals of the of the Green Deal, because mm-hmm. it's basically about uh, putting forward twelve pieces of legislation, twelve revision of existing uh, legislation, uh, in order to again uh, fit for fifty five, make the the whole um, the whole legislative framework and uh, regulatory framework uh, in Europe. Uh, ready to um, step up the climate ambition, which is the becoming climate neutral, uh, making Europe uh, as a, as the first climate neutral continent, mm-hmm. and reaching neutral. its goal of cutting emissions by fifty five percent, which is obviously the where the fifty five comes in. Fifty five. Yeah, yeah, by by twenty thirty. Mm-hmm. Um, while the climate neutral ambition is by twenty fifty. Um, mm-hmm. anyway. Of course, I mean it's about it's about uh, emissions. It's about um, uh, becoming climate neutral continent. So of course, there's also a role. Uh, agriculture could play a role in this. Yeah, I mean it touches all. I mean, you know, nearly all sectors, including agriculture. Even though it's spoken about somewhat less when it comes to Fit for Fifty Five, but definitely agriculture has its role to play um, in sequestering carbon in, in in all different parts of the kind of strategies goals. Um, and ambitions and indeed it was part of uh, of um, at least two main topics were uh, touched uh, on by the commission in this uh, big package mm-hmm. uh, the one is the forest the forestry strategy which is was quite controversial because I mean certain uh, um, country uh, already rely on uh, some kind of business model related to forestry, like uh, Sweden and, and and Finland. And the other aspect is uh, it was in the um, land use, land use change, and forestry regulation. The revision of this regulation actually entered into force in in uh, was agreed in 2018. So it uh, and it already needed a revision in order to reach the goals by 2030 and 2050. So. Uh, actually, uh, it's quite fast. You know what's happening in the world is quite fast, and the it's even hard for uh, the policymakers to adapt the policy framework to a very fast-changing world. What basically the Commission did 
of in this uh, new regulation is to uh, adopt a new carbon removal approach. In terms of uh, real uh, action, uh, they postponed those action at later stage. Uh, we're talking about the communication that is due by the end of the year on uh, the carbon farming initiative. It was already announced in the Farm for strategy. And there will be another legislative initiative in uh, 2023 uh, on, uh, on the carbon removal certification scheme. And again, this one was announced in the circular economy action plan. So um, the legislative action announced, we're basically well aware of. The idea is to create, of course, new business models to increase carbon sequestration and also given uh, the opportunity for a, a, an additional income for farmers. But um, the approach is basically moving towards combining the land use change, forestry and agriculture and their emissions uh, in order to create a, you know, potential synergies in order to uh, balancing emissions and carbon removal. So uh, this doesn't mean that the emission in, ag in agriculture sector will be zero, but they would be offset by carbon removals. This is basically the new approach. Uh, again, it's not entirely new, but um, the commission committed to this uh, approach, which is sometimes is criticized by for instance, NGO or even um, uh, those who, who uh, advocate for an agroecology um, revolution, because again, uh, it's about considering the possibility to balance emission with a market-oriented uh, um, tool, which is of course the, the carbon removal. Uh, and of course, I mean, this is a bit complex because okay, um, there would be a mix of public uh, support tool, one is, has already been uh, approved, which is the common agricultural policy. There's a part in the common agricultural policy, uh, which is the environmental conditionality that basically allow farmers to get payments if they put in practice some uh, uh, good, good uh, environmental conditions, good agricultural and environmental condition, uh, so the eco schemes basically. And uh, carbon farming, so sequestration of, uh, of uh, carbon dioxide uh, in uh, crops, in farmland, is already part of the, of the eco-scheme. So they're going to receive public funds through the Common Agricultural Policy, the main new farming subsidy scheme. But the idea, again, and, and, and this is how the Commission wants to address the issue, is to add also the possibility for, for um, support from the private sector by creating this uh, certification scheme for carbon removals, which basically, again, there are no such target policy tool to incentivize carbon removals, but it's true that corporations and some private citizens have started buying land-based carbon removals in, in some kind of voluntary carbon market. Again, the carbon market for farmers is, is a bit of a, of a taboo in the in the EU policy making, but the hope is actually to uh, um, at least uh, facilitate the possibility to, to create this mechanism to compensate farmers. They will basically get paid for storing carbon in their farmlands by trading these greenhouse gases. It's a bit. Uh, it's definitely an interesting, you know. It's a very interesting area, starting to get into trading this idea of carbon and everything else. I mean, 
And, and I would say also on the report, I mean, we wrote an article, you can find it online on your active, uh, on our website, and also in the newsletter. You're getting very good at these little plugs, Gerardo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's, it's also, I mean, we, we're actually covering this um, since quite a while. Mm. Uh, it's, it's very, it's, it's an interesting topic because you can see also a different perspective from uh, even you know, among farmers uh, themselves. No, there are some that are quite uh, interested and there are others that are basically don't even consider this, uh, this opportunity. Again, it's an opportunity for, an, for additional income. Uh, and also, in the, for instance, in, the, in the, the new EU vision for rural areas, there's also um, this topic of how we can um, produce additional income for farmers in order to make them stay in rural areas. And, and was, uh, carbon farming was also mentioned. Yeah, I remember in the UK there was a lot of talk about um, you know, is it going to become more profitable for especially farmers in the uplands of, so in the north of the UK, um, to, you know, stop having sheep and actually start farming carbon because it was, a, you know, more revenue for them, That's which exactly, was crazy. Yeah. yeah, which was the big, I mean, I remember there was a big study about it, I think earlier this year or maybe last year, um, you know, better to, better to grow carbon, well, not grow carbon, but, you know, store carbon than it is to, to raise sheep. Um, it's quite an inter- quite an interesting uh, situation there. And talking about actually extra income for farmers, we're about to talk about my favourite topic, Gerardo, because obviously what's the most exciting part of this whole Fit for 55 package for me? Here we go, here we go. You want to take a guess? You want to take a guess? Uh, no, go ahead, don't worry. <laughs> well, the Commission is trying to plant an additional 3 billion trees. You know what that means? It means we have did, to get did out. You gonna, did, you gonna, did you gonna plant half of them? Personally, <laughs> I think. I mean, I'm just gonna take this opportunity to throw this out there. I think there should be some trips arranged where people actually we actually go and actually plant trees. Because planting trees is, I mean, it's an amazing thing to do, and also, but it's also really tiring. And I think actually people in Brussels should get out and go and do it. So you're offering your, you're basically. I'm offering my services. Can... Yeah. Okay. 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 I mean, it's just a suggestion. If anyone wanted to, you know, <laughs> arrange for some tree planting. <laughs> but why am I raising uh, raising the issue of uh, what, talking about this? Um, well, of course. You know, again, this, I mean, I think when we talk about forests and planting trees and everything, people think less about agriculture. Um, But the forest strategy, the EU's forest strategy they're putting forward is designed to talk about all the different functions of forests and all the different, you know, the multiple ways that we use forests and trees and how they can contribute to goals. And obviously, um, you know, you don't have to think about, I mean, I remember I was in a, um, a press conference this week about the forest strategy and uh, someone, one of the journalists said, you know, well, where are we going to put all these trees? I mean, you know, how can we fit it all in? We've got agriculture and we've got um, cities and we've got this. Where can we put the trees? And I think actually this idea of it doesn't have to be so absolute and, you know, separatist, um, but this idea that actually agro agroforestry, so agriculture and trees can be merging and try and contribute to the goals of this um, forest strategy. And I think as well, 
often when we talk about trees and forests, we're talking about um, carbon offsetting and, you know, fighting against climate change, talking about biodiversity, talking about tourism and um, the value of, you know, enjoying forests and all, which is, which is excellent. But also forests can provide a really excellent um, extra income for farmers um you know nuts and 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 fruits and different crops and also for wood um so it's an interesting opportunity and again the idea is to kind of use the 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 common agricultural policy the cap um the eu's farming subsidy program the idea is that the 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 cap reform offers more flexibility to kind of introduce different tree and forest related interventions um and trying to reduce red tape around this and you know based on the recommendations to member states and the CAP strategic plans, um, trying to encourage the uptake of forests, which historically farmers have been a bit bit wary of, I think, because there was a moment where some farmers were concerned subsidies were being compromised because they were growing trees and how to evaluate whether agricultural land is agricultural or not. Um, And trees are a big part of this. So yeah, agriculture has a big role in in this forestry strategy and forestry part of the discussion. We can say that um, yeah, stepping up the climate ambition is not a walk in the park, but could be a walk in a forest. Oh, that's lovely. I know. I know. Thank you. But also, um, okay, there was this fit uh, for 55 package. Uh, but it's also true that there was a quite busy week in the in the agriculture um, agenda in the EU agriculture agenda. Uh, for instance, on uh, Tuesday there were uh, several actually a meeting of the European Parliament's Agriculture Committee. One of them on Tuesday um, saw the presentation of the Slovenian presidency uh, priorities. Um, again, um, as you know, um, there's, there's the concept of rotating EU presidency every six months. Uh, one member state uh, is basically chairing the European Council at the, at the of course, at the, at the level of the head of states and governments in European Council, but also at the level, of, uh, at the ministerial level. So, for instance, uh, this is the Slovenian presidency. It means that the agriculture minister of Slovenia is chairing, um, will chair until December, um, the EU Agrifish Council, which is uh, the gathering of the of, uh, EU27 agriculture minister. But it's also true, it's also true that uh, we got this, uh, some of these priorities in advance. Why so? <laughs> well, we actually had um, an exclusive interview with Slovenia's agricultural minister, uh, which was published on Monday. And this outlines all of Slovenia's um, main priorities, as you said, for this term um, when it comes to agriculture. So I think, you know, you can go and check out the article for all the details. I can also do a little plug there. <laughs> but the focus seems to be, and I think it comes as no surprise, that the focus is, is there's a strong focus on crisis management. And, you know, looking at the crisis now and trying to preempt any issues, you know, from the COVID pandemic and any kind of other issues coming up over the summer, over the harvest season. Um, you know, you're talking about seasonal workers. There were big issues there last year um, and other issues in the food chain. So trying to preempt those 
but also keeping an eye on the much longer term. So looking at future crisis management and, um, you know, the minister was telling me that climate change is just as much of uh, it's just as much of a threat. It's just as unpredictable as something like a COVID pandemic. And there needs to be a lot more focus on resilience and preparedness for kind of any possible crisis. So this is going to be the main or one of the main aims of um, the presidency. And he was also talking about the strategic significance of food security. So this idea of food security coming around again, remember in the first, well, first wave or first, well, it's just been a co- constant <laughs> crisis the last year and a half. But at the I beginning, we would, yeah. yeah, what third wave, fourth wave, wherever we are. Um, at the beginning, remember there was this discussion of food security and whether it was still an issue in the in the EU. And I think you spoke with Commissioner Sinkevichis, no, Gerardo, on this was like um, um, a, a hearing in the European Parliament uh, yes, on, okay. uh, in the Agriculture Committee, actually, in the, the temple of, uh, of the food security. <laughs> and he basically said uh, something like food security is no longer an issue, mm. which is, I mean, is the Environmental Commission and actually many environmental NGOs and also people in the environmental area of the Commission uh, do think so. That basically yeah. food security is no longer. Um, I mean, when when we talk about food security, we're talking about um, the essence of uh, the common agricultural policy, you know, because I mean, it was originally conceived uh, for the the founding members, the six founding members, in order to avoid uh, shortages. We're talking about a, a post-war Europe with yeah. several problems, not the. Um, with many issues in terms of supply chain, uh, commodities, uh, sourcing of food, and so on. Mm. So one could say that the food security is actually embedded in the treaty, in the EU treaties, uh, and particularly in the Treaty of Rome. And again, it was quite um, a bold statement, but again, it's something. Again, it was an opinion, so basically it triggered a lot of uh, uh, harsh reaction. From uh, the agriculture stakeholders, no. Yeah, um, and definitely um, <laughs> the Slovenian agricultural minister does not agree with this um, because you know the, the, he's he's going to place a real um, focus on guaranteeing mm. what he said a reliable, sufficient, sustainable, and resilient food security in all possible crises uh, that could arise in the future. So back this, you know, having this focus back on uh, on food security and also. Um, other kind of priorities. He was also speaking about the long-term vision of rural areas, the need to support digitalization, modernization of rural areas, and also championed the role of women in the countryside, which I appreciated. That's good. And of course, he'll be overseeing the uh, adoption of the formal legislative package on the CAP. Um, so, you know, we're, we're talking, he's going to be overseeing the preparation of the strategic plans, which um, the drafts of which are due at the end of this year. Um, and so all of the next steps on the cap will, will fall under his uh, his presidency. He also said that uh, that the uh, strategic plan must be uh, realistic in terms. Of- Actually, I was asking him about how how he would help ensure the kind of ambitiousness of these plans and mm. work towards because obviously the the big debate has been about the green deal alignment um mm. with the cap and this is supposed to you know the green deal objectives are supposed to be achieved through these strategic national plans <laughs> achieved through these strategic national plans and you know he, he kind of said you know the presidency is very supportive of these goals and ambitions 
but he also said that this ambition has to be tapered with a kind of reality check. Um, and you know, he was saying that although it's it's not really his his job, you know, he'll be he'll be trying to promote dialogue between member states and the commission, trying to overcome challenges. But ultimately, uh, the strategic plans have to also be realistic and also feasible. And also, he was saying about how the entire burden of the sustainable transition in agricultural systems should not be on farmers only. Um, and there needs to be a kind of broader broader perspective on this transition. This week, the AgriFood podcast is produced by Euractiv's AgriFood team, Gerardo Fortuna and Natasha Food, with the technical support of Evi Chiori. And uh, this podcast is also available on all major streaming platforms, including Apple, Amazon, Stitcher and Spotify. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss the latest agricultural news from the EU. My name is Natasha Foote. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Thank you.